Well, welcome. Good morning. Is it hot enough for you? What, 113 yesterday? At least in our neighborhood. It was crazy hot. I'm excited for our guests that are with us today. I got to meet some new people who are joining us for the very first time. Very special guests. Welcome to Las Vegas. I also want to introduce to you, for the very first time, a couple that some of you might know as individuals, but for the very first time, I want to introduce to you Mark and Brittany Rosari as our new wedding couple. Get up here. Come here. Wow. Come on. Fresh back from Hawaii, husband and wife. Oh, man. Awesome. Oh, wow. Welcome. Good morning, Mr. and Mrs. Anything you want to say? Um, we, we wish all of you guys could have been there. Uh, we really appreciate all the love and support. I mean, our relationship really started here. Yeah. And then obviously it's grown, so. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Woo. Woo. 16 years ago, February 8th, me and my family drove over and saw for the very first time as residents of Las Vegas this iconic sign that you're going to see on the screen. We didn't go visit it as guests for the weekend. We went and looked at it because we were now being welcomed into Las Vegas as permanent residents. And I can say loud and clear, we absolutely love our home. We love Las Vegas. But it wasn't very easy in the beginning. I remember when we left our ministry in Montana, yes, Montana, to come to Las Vegas, I had some of my colleagues, I had some of my pastor friends say, Dean, Vegas has taken down some of the best. I'm afraid for you. Wow. That scared me. That scared me a bit. But when you're walking with the Lord Jesus, as you're going to see here this morning, we have a whole new mantra for our home. No longer the city of sin but the city of him, right? So we do have a reputation though, don't we? I'm not naive enough to say that what goes down on the strip is probably not for the average eyes that you want to see. Uh, it, it's a crazy place. It's a crazy place. But today I want to share something with you that I have witnessed over the last month, nine months rather, that has inspired me. And that is the people who live in Las Vegas. All right? The people who live here. Not the people who come and visit. And here's why. Here's a picture of the people who come to visit. Are you ready? This is the reputation from the Las Vegas Review Journal. What happens in Vegas stays, stays in Vegas. Casinos beckoning thrill seekers worldwide to show up and show off the kind of behavior they wouldn't want their neighbors back home to hear about, much less see. That's our strip. But that's not the people who live here. So the people over the first six months to a year, they saw what God was doing in our lives as we ministered right here in Las Vegas. And guess what happened then? We had an onset of friends and family who wanted to come and visit. Because when you're from the Midwest and you spend 10 years in, in Montana, they've never seen a palm tree. So the best place to take them is down on the strip. We go to the strip, we drive the strip, and we show them the palm trees. My favorite place to show off palm trees is the Mirage. 
That property is absolutely beautiful with palm trees. But not only that, they've learned that when they come to Las Vegas, they don't have to go to New York to see the Statue of Liberty. They love that. They don't have to go to Paris, France to see the Eiffel Tower. They absolutely love the big Ferris wheel that we have called the high roller. They refer to the stratosphere as the space needle. They want to see the space needle. But then Dorlis and I, we have our favorite spot, the Bellagio. We love to go to the Bellagio. We love to show off the, the foyer with the blown glass in the ceiling. The fountains out in front and all the Vegas lights that you see at night, they are just wowed by all of that. Then we show them the beauty of our region. We take them to Red Rock, and they're like, wow. We take them to Mount Charleston, to our ski hill. Wow, everything is so cool. We take them to Hoover Dam. We go to Lake Mead. And you know what? Every time they come, they always say, how do you do it? How do you live in Sin City? How does that happen? Well, it's about the people. It's about the people who live here. June 30th marks nine months when our city took over a major transformation. Evil rained down. You'll see in the pictures, Air Force One flying away there over the Mandalay Bay where evil literally darkened our city. But because of the attention at that time, the world saw something completely different. Did they not? They saw something completely different. We were transformed. The reputation that we had was no longer in many eyes. And again, I'm not naive enough to say what's going on on the strip will always go on on the strip, but I'm talking about the people. And then we had this phenom take place with the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh my goodness, yes. And when you look at this picture and you look into the faces of the everyday fans that live here, that go and become one as we continue our series, we are one. We are one. You know what I have found in the last couple of months during the playoffs? All I wanted to do to, uh, you know, enhance maybe a meal that evening or pick up some groceries for the week, I'd go to the grocery store for my wife. Yes, sometimes I do do that. And... Uh, <laughs> But I would wear my Vegas t-shirt, my Vegas night shirt, and my hat. It would take me an hour to go to the store to pick up a few things. Because we, the people of Las Vegas, can't shut up about what's going on in our city. It's crazy. Crazy good. I mean, I would be talking to people in the produce department about the Vegas nights. Never met them. Never saw them. And after 10 minutes, we're saying, hey, see you later, my friend. I mean, we became friends in 10 minutes crazy stuff. So the reputation of Las Vegas took a major transformation. Nine months ago, a horrible thing happened. And I can confidently say, as we see on the screen, the phrase that I want to put before you today, no longer. Focus on that phrase. As the worship team focused on that phrase this morning, no longer. I want you to think about that for a minute. No longer seen as a city of sin in many eyes of the world. They now see a city that is Vegas strong. Amen? And not only Vegas strong, they see our people, my people, my home, people full of love, people full of compassion, people full of charity that love one another. We're very blessed to be here. But I will say this, 
as you look here to the screen, it says this, people are looking for answers right now in our city. Would you agree? But those answers can only come from Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you find yourself walking through the cycles of life, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down, and that continues, there is an answer for you today. And I want you to think about where we're at. As we continue our verse-by-verse study in chapter 2, we're almost completed. And today and next week, you're going to see a beautiful picture of what happens to you and I when we give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and what we become in this group right here today called the local church. It's very, very special. So I want you to look today at the title of my message, I am no longer, you fill in the blank. If you know Jesus Christ this morning, there's a word that goes in that blank, right? If you know Jesus Christ this morning, there was a word that you used to be associated with or a phrase that you used to be associated with, but because of Christ, no longer. So today, we look at one verse as we continue to exposit through Ephesians chapter 2. And in verse 19, we see a powerful passage. The Bible says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Father, we don't want to go another second without acknowledging you here this morning. Lord, this is not another Vegas event. Lord, this is your house. This is your house here this morning. Lord, this is your word. These are your people. Father, I pray that you speak to us today. You challenge us. Lord, this is an incredible passage of scripture. It's challenging, but Lord, it's a good word. I'm so thankful it's your word. So challenge us here this morning as we look back at our reputation. As we look back at the reputation and compare it to Las Vegas, we all have a reputation. But because of a transforming moment, that changed. And today, because of you, we, your people, can say we are no longer strangers. We are no longer aliens. We are no longer enemies to you. We are a child of God. We thank you for that promise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want you to look again to that phrase, no longer. I am no longer. Obviously, the Bible tells me because of who I am in the Lord Jesus Christ, I am no longer a stranger, right? I am no longer an alien. But when I look back on my life, and I look back at the sin that controlled my life, there are words that I can put in that particular space. And you know what one I have is anger. I dealt with anger. You know why? I was raised in an angry home. I was raised in an abusive home. I was raised in a dysfunctional home. And you know why I was raised in that home? My father was raised in an angry home. He was raised in an abusive home. He was raised in a dysfunctional home. You know how many generations prior to that? At least four, maybe five, but with a smile on my face. My brother, my sister, and I, we changed. We came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The McQuilla name has a new reputation, no longer angry. So as I was preparing for this message today, I went into... God's word and went on the internet and I, and I did a word study on sin. Again, this is a challenging message today. 
but it's a good message, all right? It will transform you. So I got to looking at possible words that would fit into this space for Dean, Dean McQuillan. And I got to looking, and I find this incredible document on the internet. It's 15 pages long. It has 667 sins associated with Scripture. I thought it would really be cool if it was 666, but it was 667. And I got to looking at these. And all of a sudden, I'm going, ooh, ah. Fear. Anxiety. Bitterness. I am no longer those because of Christ. No longer boastful. Oh my gosh, we can be boastful. Deceitful. No longer carnal. No longer bashing the church. You see where I'm going with this? No longer perverted language. Oh, the words that would come out of my mouth. The things I would say. No longer cursed. No longer lustful. No longer taking the Lord's name in vain. Bottom line is this. Dean McQuillan can stick all 667 words and phrases in that space. And so can you. But because of Jesus, he changed us. He's changed our reputation. What I used to be, I was a sinner lost without Christ. I was enslaved to sin. And quite frankly, I enjoyed it. I desired it. It was a passion of mine. The Bible talks about that. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. But then it bites you. And when it bites, it bites really hard. Amen? We've all felt the consequences. I was living a life absolutely with no conscience for God. But, like the city of Las Vegas, there was a moment in my life where I saw that I was a sinner. That was a glorious day. And you know what? I didn't have to do all these religious hoops that you see in religion today. All I had to do was this. According to Romans chapter 10, I had to believe in my heart. I had to confess in my, with my mouth. And Jesus said, Dean, thou shalt be saved. It's that easy. It's that easy. But we like to make it hard. We like to hug up to religion and make it hard. Well, as long as I do this and as long as I don't do that, I'm okay with God. That's a lie. That's a lie. If you're here this morning and you've had this transformation take place in your life, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're here this morning and you haven't, my prayer is with a smile, change it right now so that you too can say, I am no longer. I am no longer this person. Well, why am I no longer this person? We're going to go back to the very first verse in Ephesians chapter 2, where Haydn started this particular series months ago. And this is an incredible passage. This passage, when he preached this passage, and when he got to verse 4, it was, it was crazy good. And from that week on, we saw people getting saved like crazy right here at this church. And here's what we read, and here's what he studied, and this is what he impacted for us. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. I like to read the Bible this way sometimes. Dean, you were dead in the trespasses and sins. In which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. 
the very enemy himself. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath. How? Like the rest of mankind. Wow. That's the world I lived in. And then in verse 4, this is the transformation that took place in my life 37 years ago when I got saved. But God, but God saved me. And God saved you on that day you had that transformation. And if you're here today and you've not put your faith and trust in him, today can be that transforming day. Right here today. And he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. How was that? By, by my religious connections and my religious do's and don'ts? Nope. By grace, you have been saved. Isn't that awesome? Transformation. Because of God's amazing grace, he changed my heart. Because of your transformation, he's changed your heart. I no longer think the way I used to think. I no longer act the way I used to act. Praise God for that. Instead of glorifying the ways of the world, I now have a desire to glorify God as I live for him. Glorifying our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So one more time, I want you to look at the phrase, I am no longer. You see that? Maybe you're here today and you can't. You can't say that. This message is for you, okay? All right? It's going to reveal truth to you. It's going to open your eyes maybe where they've been closed before. Maybe it's going to nudge you and say, your eyes have been open to this long ago. You just didn't want to see it. Does that make sense? I know that I find myself there sometimes. But maybe you're here this morning, and honestly, you need to change your reputation. I want to challenge you to take a new path. I want you to look with me to Galatians chapter 5. Yes, the Apostle Paul wrote more than one epistle to the churches of his day. This is not the church of Ephesus. This is the church of Galatia. And in this particular passage, God is very, very black and white. You would have to miss it because you want to miss it. Because he makes it very clear the path that you probably are on or could be on versus the path that you can't be on today. And even if you are saved, even if you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to I say this. We can fall back into those actions like that. You know why? We are what we eat. If you eat of the world, you're going to become like the world. You eat of God, you're going to become like God. That's why the household of faith is so important. That's why being a member of the household of faith is so powerful. I need you in my life. Matter of fact, you've heard me say this before and I'll say it again. I need Walk Church more than Walk Church needs me. It's a weekly reminder of what God says and how I need to live my life. And if I went two, three weeks, those two, three weeks turn into two or three months. Those two or three months can turn into two or three years without any of God's word reminding me of where I need to be as a Christian. And even though I'm saved, I can fall right back into that mess again. So this is a word, not only to those who need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but maybe you're here today and you have fallen into a spirit of disobedience. 
God's word is black and white. He will put you on a new path today if you truly want to. Is there anybody here that wants that path? It's a winning path. Jesus wins. Summer, I love your shirt. Jesus wins. I love it. I love it. Look what we see in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. But I say, the Apostle Paul says, walk by the Spirit. And you, Dean, will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. It's like water and oil. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. When we're not doing what God would have us to do in the Spirit, we are right back into that mess again. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Matthew Henry says this, those that are born again are dead to sin because its dominion is broken. Its power gradually subdued by the operation of grace. And it shall at length be extinguished by the perfection of glory. To be dead then means this, that those who have the Holy Spirit mortifying within them the lust of the flesh are able to despise earthly things and desire those that are heavenly. Let me speak from experience. Those earthly ways of life are no fun. They may be for a, for a season, but it'll always come back and bite you. It's so much more fun to live for the heavenly. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 now gets very, very black and white. Okay? It just lays out exactly what that sin will do and take you to. It tells us this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Again, either you want to see this or don't want to, but it's evident. It's very, very black and white. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, sexual sins, right? Idolatry, sorcery, enmity. These are the sins of, of complete sorcery. Then we have the social sins, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And I was there one day and said the same thing. Thank God he didn't come up with mine, right? He didn't come up with my word that fits in that blank. And that's why God says, and things like these. And things like these. Let me say this loud and clear. As a pastor for all these years, when I have a young couple come to me or an individual come to me of any age, and they say, Pastor, can I ask you a question? Sure. Is this a sin if I do blah, blah, blah? Let me say loud and clear. If you have to ask if it's sin, it probably is sin. And that's what I would say. I never had to be the bad guy. I would just say that. If you got to ask for it, you might want to go to God's word and see where you're at with that. And things like these. And then he says this. This is very in your face. Again, God's word. I warn you. I warn you. As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, wait a minute. I got saved and I still do those things. There's a difference between accepting Christ and becoming a child of God and still struggling with sin versus living in sin. 
and never having a desire to change that. Never wanting to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. When you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says you are secure in him for all of eternity. Isn't that a great thing to know? It does not mean, though, that I won't struggle with sin. We will all struggle with that. And that's why, again, as we'll see here in the end, how this whole picture comes together. We're no longer strangers and aliens, but we're what? We're citizens now. We're citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's a great place to be. Tony Merida, I love his commentary on Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Look what he says. He says, do you see and hear the slavery of this kind of lifestyle? People who are caught up in and enslaved in these things often don't think they have a problem. Amen to that. I remember being there. I didn't have a problem. I thought I was okay. Why? Because it was learned behavior. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. And look what he says. They don't think they have a problem. They say things like, I can quit whenever I want. Really? Let me give you a lesson on actions and how you change your actions. People say, well, I've changed. When was that? 24 hours ago, I quit drinking. <laughs> you know why it doesn't last? Change never lasts without an attitude of heart change. Change is always temporal without Jesus. It's just a good idea. And it's kind of like that January 1st thing when we make a New Year's resolution. How's that working out for you? I'm not as bad as them. I'm not as bad as my friends. Go look in the mirror. Wow. I'm just sowing some wild oats. How do you like the consequences of those wild oats? Everybody does it. No, they don't. They don't do the things that you do. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm bad and I don't do things like that. I'll get it right at some point. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You know why? Because our life is but a vapor. We spent 10 years in Montana. When it gets down to about 30 below zero and you walk outside... You see this vapor? It's gone like that. That's a picture of my life. Today is the day of salvation. You never know what tomorrow will bring. Yeah, I'll get it right at some point. You may not have that opportunity. I just want to live a little. Well, if this is a picture of you, if this resonates with your reputation, I want to say these things. You need... You need the household of God. You know why? Like me, and I'm the first in line, I need Christian accountability as often as possible. As often as possible. I need this church. Why? Because we have blind spots. Not only do we have blind spots, we have those issues where we really don't even want to see. We all need, you know what we need? We all need those in our lives that we can go to and say, I'm not right in this area. Do you have that person in your life? Do you have that person where you can go to and say, I need you to pray with me right now. I'm not doing well. Or have you given 
that person this permission. Joy, you have the right to come to me anytime you want and say, Pastor Dean, you are out of line in this area. And you know what I have to do? Humbly accept it. Do you have a person like that? If not, you need one. You need one. Because we all are like water. That water will always take a path of least resistance. We need accountability. And if you don't have that person in your life, you need to find that person. Because you will find yourself sliding. We will do that. We need Christian accountability. We need those who love us enough to be able to look us in the eye and say, Dean, you need to what? Dean, you need to this. Dean, you need to that. But you know what happens? We love those people in our lives. We think they're absolutely great. They're my Christian family. I, I, I love being with them. Until they tell us what they really feel about our actions at the time, and then all of a sudden they're a jerk. Right? We've all been there. And you know what happens then? There's got to be a different church than this one. That'll accept me just the way I am. No accountability. Most people leave churches today because of conviction. Most people find themselves, as we will see here in God's word in just a moment, hang with me, and you will see why this passage of scripture is so needed in our church today. Let me tell you why. There are people in our city, 90 2% don't claim to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But they're good people. They're loving, compassionate, charitable people. But they need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they will be one day introduced to walk church. What will they see when they walk into this church? Will they see a church that is real? A church that is loving? A church that is wanting to be their friend? A church that's going to be honest? Speak truth and love? That's what people are looking for. I remember my pastor and mentor from many, many, many years ago that I grew up in, in my home church. I remember him saying this. In his college days, he had people come to him in droves telling him why he needed to know Jesus. And you know what he said? I was never compelled to convert to Christianity. And then what happened? One day, one day I met a Christian. One day I didn't have somebody come to me and say, you need to do this. What I saw in their life was different. And when I asked them why they were different, they told me why they were different. And he said, I want a double portion of that. That's what we need to be. As we continue on looking at Ephesians, or excuse me, Galatians chapter 5, John Owen says this, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. I have a friend of mine in Montana, a construction worker, and I was visiting with him one day, and he was out doing some concrete work, and he had a float on a big handle, right? And he was finishing up the concrete, and he laid the float down, and we were working on a curve, and, and we were doing something to detail some things on the concrete. A UPS truck comes driving up and runs over the handle of his float. He didn't say anything as the guy gets out and walks out the other way. He pulls out a card, and he lays it on the steering wheel. And I said, what was that? He pulls out a card and gives it to me. You know what it said? Life is tough, but it's tougher when you're stupid. <laughs> the guy comes back, reads the card, and he goes, what's this for? He goes, look at my float, and I'll tell you later. I mean, life is tough, but it's tougher when you're stupid. Let me, let me add to that. Life is tough, but it's tougher when you're stupid to sin. You know what the Apostle Paul says over and over in the New Testament? Be not ignorant. Don't be ignorant. 
Don't be ignorant to what this world will do to you if you have no accountability, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Galatians chapter 5 finishes this way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Amen? Isn't that a great word to the church today? I want to finish. Let us not become conceited. Church. He's, who's he talking to? Church. Why is he telling us there's nine aspects to the fruit of the Spirit? Because I believe this. If you miss one, there's no fruit of the Spirit in your life. During our first year, I preached a message and I used an example of a real orange. Joy, you helped me with that. I peeled the orange. There were nine aspects of that orange that made up that fruit. If I would have taken out two, it, it's not a complete orange, right? Same thing with the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine aspects to this passage. And if you're lacking one, you do not have the fruit of the Spirit. And what happens, church, when we think that we've got it all figured out, we become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's not be that church. Why? 92% of our city needs Jesus. Amen? And they're going to be introduced to our church. They don't need to be seeing those type of, that type of church in our church. We are a church that is different than that. And let's always be on guard to make sure that we understand exactly what that means. How does Galatians chapter 5 line up to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19? Let's look at it one more time. The Apostle Paul says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God church, I just want you to know how much I love you guys. Those that have been a part of this church for any long, length of time at all, we've been through some amazing things together. We've seen some transformations take place. Just the testimony today was Seth. What a, what a beautiful picture that was this morning. For us to be able to see firsthand in video, live, what's happening in his life right here, right now. And that's what people need here in Las Vegas. They need to see something that's real. They need to see a church that is truly in line with Scripture. Not a church full of do's and don'ts and regulations, full of legalism, but a church that loves as Jesus loves. Amen? So how does Galatians chapter 5 correlate to you and I being members of the household of God? How does it make us look as we are fellow citizens with the saints as that member of the household of God? Next week, you're going to see a beautiful picture of what this church is all about. It's not a building. Our church is not a building. That's why we meet at Schofield Middle School. It's not a building. We are the church. And you're going to see next week that we make that church up. And we are built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. And we are built on the foundation of a cornerstone, Jesus Christ himself. And God wants us to be an example to the world. And how does he want us to be an example? I close with this. We are to be a loving church. Agape love. What is agape love? Love in action. I want you to know love in action is what it's all about. It's not me telling you that I love you. It's me showing you that I love you. Joy. We need to be a church that is full of the fruit of the Spirit. All nine aspects. 
great delight and happiness for one another. I am so happy for Mark and Brittany. Can't, I'm so happy for those guys. Why? Because they're a part of us. And God is now going to use them as a young couple and the lessons that they've learned through their time together prior to be able to teach other young couples. It's powerful. It's joyful. And I'm so happy and delighted for you guys. We need to be a church of peace because there's so much chaos out there. Peace in agreement and harmony with one another. Not at each other's throats. There's too many churches like that. Amen? We need to be a church that's patient. You might want to write this one down. Forbearing each other. Putting up with each other. Forbearing annoyances without complaint for one another. Let me tell you something. Lothar gets under my skin all the time. <laughs> I love my brother Lothar. But let me tell you something. There's, there's, there's guys and gals in the church that get sided with each other. Instead of getting it fixed, they leave. That can't be us. That can't be us. Never be us. Kindness. Genuine friendliness. And care for one another. Goodness. Showing generosity toward one another. Faithfulness. Steady loyalty. And affection for one another. Gentleness. Honorable and respectful for one another. And then self-control. Restraint of one's actions and feelings toward one another. If something happens that you don't like, do what the Bible says. Matthew 18, 15 gives this clear instruction. You know what it says? Go to him alone. If you've been offended by somebody, go to them alone. You don't go to 10 other people and say, hey, what do you think about this situation? And then cause a big stir of gossip. No, you go to that person and say, hey, brother, Hey, sister, remember when? It hit me a little wrong. Uh, can we talk about it? Well, sure. And the Bible says if we hear one another, guess what? We gain each other back as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what it's all about. This is what God has done in our life. We can now look into our life and say, I am no longer. Why? I am no longer a stranger. I am no longer an alien. I'm no longer an enemy of God. I am now a member of the household of faith. Father, we love you. We thank you and praise you for this time.